You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares from the wellsprings of Jewish spiritual teaching and practice and guides us on a path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine. So let's come into this week's learning, okay? Um, We're looking at the practice of bowing. We looked at the connection between kriya, bowing with the word baruch, and the meaning of berach, of the knee, of bracha being something that is ushering earthward. And and bowing is, in a sense, with our body, where we're perhaps either mimicking or, or as part of the prayer, we are prayerfully bringing our bodies to the earth. We're, in a sense, trying to channel that bracha to come you know, that which we're asking for, we're actually doing with, with our body when we say Baruch. <clears throat> and uh, right away, I want to come into the brach, uh, Gemara Brachot 34a, Daf Lamadalad, where we talk about when do we bow in the Amidah. So Tanu Rabbanan, Elu Brachot Shadam Shochebeh. These are the Brachot that a person should bow in. The Shocheh means to, to, to come down. The Avot Tchilavasof. In the Bracha of Avot, right, which is the first bracha of the Amida, we bow at the beginning, and we bow at the end. Baruch at, Hashem at, Elokeinu Avoteinu, and we bow at the end of that bracha, Baruch Hashem Magin Avraham. And in the bracha of Hoda'ah, of Modim, both at the beginning of that bracha, which is Modim Menach Nulach, and at the end of the bracha, which is Baruch at Hashem HaTov Shimcha Lohan Elohodot. That's one bracha, Modim and Rav. So we bow at Avot in the beginning and the end, we bow at Hoda'ah at the beginning and the end, and if a person was going to bow at the beginning of each and every bracha or at the end of each and every bracha, teach them not to. By the way, before we go on, we did see last week, the Gemara Yushalmi says, why do the 18, what do the 18 brachot of the Shemona Esrei correspond to? They correspond to the 18 vertebrae of the spine. And we learn from there that a person should be bowing and bending their back at each and every bracha. Because it says, Kol All of my bones need to be speaking God who is like you. That's an opinion brought in the Yushalmi. It's not what's brought here as the halachic practice. It's actually said not to do that here, but we'll read on that there are exceptions to that rule. And the other thing we saw already with Rabbi Akiva, that when he davened, he was just bowing all the time. So there is such a thing in principle as bending the spine, as bowing at each, at each bracha. The Gemara here is saying, if somebody's going to do that, teach them not to. It's interesting language. Teach them not to. Let, let's read on. Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi, Amar Rabbi ben Levi, Mishum Kapara. They teach hediot k'moshe amarnu, a hediot, which means a, a simple person like us, a normal, normal civilian status. It's as we said: you bow at the beginning and the end of avot, you bow at the beginning and end of hoda. Kohen gadol besof kol bracha. The high priest should should bow. Bow. The practice of the high priest is to bow at the end of each and every bracha. V'hamelech and the king tchidat kol bracha obracha v'sof kol bracha obracha. The king bows at the beginning and end of each and every bracha of the yamida. By the way, it's kind of ironic. What, what, what did I just say? The prayer is called the Amida. But if you're a king, how are you davening the Amida? You're, you're, you're bowing the whole time. We'll, 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 see, we'll see an even in more extreme expression of this. Look at this. This is how I heard Rabbi Yeshua Levi's teaching. Simple people, regular civilians, we bow like we said. Kohen gadol t'chilat kol bracha bracha priest bows at the beginning of each and every bracha. But the king, once he bows, he doesn't get up again. And as we saw already in the, in the, the Rambam brought from the, the Gemara that goes on to explain here that the Kriya here means on your knees. And they learn it from a Pasuk about Shlomo HaMelech when he inaugurated the Beit HaMikdash. He, was, he, he said his prayer on his knees with his back bent. And he only got up at the end. That's how a king says the Amidah. How does a king stand in prayer? On his knees with his back bent, bowed before God. That's, that's what it means to stand in prayer if you're a king. What the Gemara here does is it describes the different practices among different kinds of people, but it doesn't explain to us why these brachot of Avot and Modim, 
let's 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 learn here from the Maharal Miprag. This is from the Maharal in Tivot Olam and Tiva Avoda Ten. And uh, I brought a selection from from within the middle. He had a lot of introduction, but he he explains first what is the meaning of this first bracha Avot. Yeshachaladat ki bracha rishona shehini kreit bracha birkat Avot. He says that the first bracha is called avot, and it's what, what we are to understand is that the avot are the hishtashalut ha'olam. They are the unfolding of creation. Now, there's a few different ways to unpack this, but first of all, the word av doesn't just mean parent, biological parent, but it also means origin. Right in Hilchos Shabbos, we have the Avot Melacha, and we have the Toladot. What's the what is the root of the of what constitutes Melacha on Shabbos, and what is its sort of outgrowth? And Avot is saying when we're saying Birkata Avot, we're saying we're we're connecting to the root, to the origin. Now the Avot being the unfolding of the world, the Hishtashelut Olam. So you could say that, kind of nationally, historically. Genealogically, you know, if the, the purpose of the divine purpose of creation is for there to be a certain kind of awareness of God in this world, so the that awareness is birthed into the world through Avram Yisak and Yaakov and their unfolding legacy. So there's a Hishtashaluta Olam. There's the unfolding of you could say the that divine purpose in creation, for there to be awareness of God and relationship with God. In a deeper sense, and, and what the Maharal is oftentimes doing is he's he's teaching Kabbalistic ideas without using the language, language of Kabbalah in, a, in an explicit way. But as far as the, the Kabbalistic perspective is, is concerned, the Avot, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are not just historical <coughs> figures. They're, they're embodiments of, of divine qualities and of the qualities of the Sfirot that are those fundamental energies of creation. So Avram is, is, is Sfirat HaChesed. You know, Avram is called Av Hamon Goyim. Remember that? God names Avraham the father of many nations. Mm-hmm. And the sphere of Chesed, that divine energy in creation, it's that it's that impulse to just make more, to just generate expansive being. That's Avraham. Yitzchak is the sphere of Gvura, is the is the quality of confinement, of limitation. And in the creative process, that expansive energy is met with or in a sense countered with a limiting force that allows for things to be individualized and proportionate. If there was only expansion, there wouldn't be a world that can stand in the way that it does. It's the interaction between chesed and vura, between expansiveness and limit, that allows for there to be existence in the way it is. You know, think of, uh, I remember when, when, when my wife was pregnant with our first daughter, we watched one of these like mind-blowing movies about what's happening to the fetus in utero. And it's like the rate of growth, of expansion of the cells at those early stages, it's, if it doesn't taper off in the way that it does, the baby will be the size of the sun within nine months. But there's this exquisite process where the expansion is channeled through limitation in a way to create particular form and, and, and life and, and, and sustain life. Come back to Avram and Yitzchak. Avraham is Avhamon Goyim. He's the father of many nations, and he does have many children. He has Yitzchak. He's got, what, six more kids with Keturah. He has Ishmael, who has himself 12 princes. But at some point, God says, but there's one of your children who's going to be the carrier, the bearer of your legacy, one of them. That's what the whole message of the Akedah was. Remember, Yitzchak, Bincha, Yechidcha, Shehavta, that singular one. So Yitzchak is that limited, singular, generative creation that comes out of the Av Haman Goyim, that expansive multiplicity. So that's Chesed Vuva. Then you get to, to Yaakov, who's the Tiferet, who's that, that balancing, inclusive, collective identity where there's both expansion and limitation and it all exists together in an elegant wholeness. And Yaakov himself bears 12 tribes. So he has that expansive outgrowth and each one in its own particular stream collectively create the nation of Israel, B'nai Israel. So, Yishtashelut the Avot, are the unfolding of the world, whether you want to take the, the story of 
God's Torah coming to the world, the divine message in creation, whether you want to take the, the Kabbalistic perspective of the Sfirot. And the truth is, this isn't only something that originates in, in the Zohar or Sifir Kabbalah. You see this in Midrash Chazal, that when, when the Torah and Breshit Perak Bet, in the second chapter of Breshit, it says, These are the unfolding, again, the generations of heaven and earth, as they were being created. Chazal says, that word Bihibaram, as they're being created, is the letters Avraham. That 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 unfolding of, of heaven and earth is, is symbolically happening through the, the figure of Avraham, bringing that that creative process into onto the earthly plane. So coming back to the Maharal, the Maharal says when we dive in Avod, we're talking about origin and we're talking about the unfolding process of creation. Hishtal Shuluta Olam. In that very bracha of Avot, when we're contemplating and, and, and addressing the unfolding of creation from its source, so there already, just as God creates existence and world, it's already in that very same vein and spirit, appropriately assumed that God will also provide everything that's needed to, to all of the earth's inhabitants to all of creation. And, and that God does provide every particular life form with its needs in that very same process. Right? And, and I think he's saying this because remember, this comes before we ask for particular needs in Bakashot. Just in the Bracha of Avod, we're already saying it's all, this is where it all comes from. All of the things and all of the, the whole of creation. And therefore, the Gemara says a person should always test, check in with themselves before they dive in. If I can have kavana in the bracha of avot, so yes, I should daven. The Gemara says, if you check yourself before davening and you can't have enough mindful presence and, and attention for that one bracha, hold off on davening. Don't daven. Because you can't even begin to daven without recognizing this primary function of creation. It's unfolding. So then he goes on and he says, well, so the reason, and I'm going to paraphrase here, the reason, so this is the reason that we, that the Gemara says to have kavana only in this bracha is because all of the other need-based brachot are really offshoots of this bracha, right? If we understand that this bracha is the origin of unfolding creative energy into the world, so all the other brachot are subsumed within it. It's the, it's the general kind of all-inclusive one, which by the way, He's focusing on Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But if you just look at the, think about the next words, it's describing how God acts in the world. El Elyon, you're the most transcendent. You give goodness. You provide, you provide chesed. You're kone hakol. You make everything yours. All we're talking about here is the way that God provides life to the world. That's, all, that's what the whole brach is about. And it's through the strength of this beginning point that everything else, else unfolds. Because of this kind of very primal awareness that this bracha is, is focused on, it brings us into close contact with God. It brings us into close contact with our Creator. And then the Maharal says, I'm, I'm in God's presence when I'm saying this bracha. When I'm contemplating these things, it brings me into that close encounter. Because a person doesn't bow before the king when I'm not in front of the king. When I live, you know, in the suburbs and I know that the king's there in, in the palace somewhere, I don't wake up in the morning and bow your majesty. But when I come close to the king, when I'm in the presence of, of that, I do bow. That's when I bow. And therefore, if you want to follow along, I'm, I'm about in the middle here. Therefore, you see where footnote two is? I'm right after footnote two. Before I say God's name, if you remember the Gemara, the Gemara said, We bend our back at Baruch Hata, and we stand up straight when we pronounce God's name, when we say Hashem. So therefore, before I say God's name, when I am approaching that name, 
So that's when I bow myself before God. The bowing, if you just think about the, the visual of what the bowing is, I'm, I'm giving myself over to you. I'm, I'm giving over to you. Misirut nefesh means, means a, a surrender so before we, God. Why do we stand up? We'll get there. You're asking the right questions. No. We're just not there yet. Baruch Atah yeah. is when we bend. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. And Hashem, we stand up. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> the first approach, as I'm approaching that, I, 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 I surrender. I give myself over. And, and that's even the physical posture of bowing, of bending my back and, my, and, my, and letting my, my neck hang loose. I'm not looking at what's in front of me. I'm in, com- in a completely vulnerable state. Whatever, I, I'm at the mercy of the one before who I'm bowing. Mm. I give myself to, to you. Why I'm bowing and giving my life over to God here is because they're in, in, the, in the divine realm. Once I'm aware of this, this creative force in source, there's nothing else. It's an over, it's overwhelming reality. So I bow myself as, in, in a sense, into non-existence. Misirutanefesh. This is what the bending and the bowing is. It's, it's giving, it's annulling my, my separate existence. It's saying with my body and with, my, with all my attention, I do not exist separately from you. It is only you. This is your question, but then how could you ever stand up from that? How do you ever stand up from that? And even more so, as you're saying, Michal, how do I stand up when I say God, when I actually do say God's name, how do I stand up? You would think that's, if the approach itself is, is bending over in surrender, the name itself, I should just be prostrated fully with my face on the ground. <laughs> it's, it's, how do I stand up at that point? When we, when we reach God's actual name, that is when we stand up erect and straight. The Maharal here is, is, is explaining the language of Chazal. The Gemara says that your Korea in Baruch, you bow at Baruch, and your Zokef Peshem, you stand up straight in God's name. As it says, Hashem Zokef Kfufim. God upholds the bent. God picks up the bowed ones. And before we get into the Gemara's words, I'm just going to remind you the Gemara we saw. The Gemara then asks, wait a minute, but we have another pasuk that says, before my name, you should prostrate yourself. Before my name, you should lower yourself. And the Gemara says, <coughs> did we say you, you stand up straight before God's name? No, we said you stand up straight bishem, in God's name. But the Gemara here is saying, is we can stand up when we say God's name, that God who is the source of all is the God who gives kiyum to all that is, who gives existence to all that is. When I approach that creative source, when I become acutely aware of that, I just fall to the floor. I bend myself. But when I, when I reach that intimate connection with God, it is that which picks me up. Because I'm, I'm recognizing I am only here and I'm fully here because you give me kiyum. You, you are sustaining me and, and holding me in existence here. You, Hashem zokef kufim. When I actually say your name, it's with the recognition of here I am you know, by the grace of God. You, are, you hold me up. Yeah. And in this bowing, which is before God's name, the approach towards the king. And in the standing up, which is standing up when I say God's name, what this bowing and standing hints to, what it symbolizes. That all that is, is from God. All that exists, exists from God. And it is from God that gives us our sustained existence. And, and as a separate entity vis-a-vis God, we don't exist. So do you see this? The beautiful thing that's happening here is when I approach you, 
I bow myself in surrender, recognizing that I don't exist separately from you. And it's that very recognition of surrender that allows me to then stand up because now I'm standing up in your name. Hashem zukef kfufim. What gives me an ability to live here and stand in the divine reality is the recognition that I'm standing, that God, God is suspending me here. We, we spoke uh, in a previous class that the Shemona Esrei being the Chai Brachot, the 18 Brachot, corresponding to the 18 vertebrates, I'm, I'm hanging on a thread. I'm, you're holding me here by a thread. The Ben Chai, I saw this once, and I've never been able to find it again, so maybe I dreamed it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure the Ben Chai said this, that when we stand our, in, in Amida, our spine is like a string of pearls. Like a, this like delicate string holding pearls on. It's, it's both relating to the utter preciousness of our, of our being alive and the preciousness <laughs> of our being alive. Right? Preciousness also has that fragility and also has that, that beauty and, 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 and appreciation to it. And the Amidah is corresponding to the spine is the Chai Birchain. It's called not just 18, but the living it is those vertebrae in my spine that I'm acutely aware of my life as it is dependent on my creator. That is at the core of the, the core kavana of all tefillah, of all tefillah ta'amida, is our attachment and dependency on God at every moment. And it's not a dependency that, that in English, the word dependency like involves some kind of like emotional weakness. It's a, it's a it's a it's a true weakness. <laughs> it's not it's not something like wrong with us. It's the truth of our reality is that we depend. We are sustained by something else. We are sustained by by our Creator. So the bowing and the standing is, in a sense, bringing us in touch with that reality. And that's why it's, it says Mara in Avot. Just to come back to what we learned here in Avot, because we're we're directing ourselves to that most fundamental truth of our existence creator of all, the unfolding of the world, that which holds me here as part of that unfolding process of creation. And here it works on all of those levels. Biologically, I'm going back through my ancestral um, origins. I'm going all the way back to, to my great ancestors. We can actually, you know, bring in here Kavanot. You can think of all the people who've birthed me into being here. That's, that's another very visceral way of experiencing our reality here as uh, dependent beings, as created beings. Who are the people who brought me here? In, 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 in body now, in previous generation, in the generation before that, the generation before that, you can go all the way back. That's what this bracha starts with. This bracha comes all the way back to throughout all the generations of people that I've been, that have borne born me into, into being, back to the origin of, of, of the creator of all. So the czar, the czar takes, this, takes this even further. The czar says that when I, when I stand in prayer, all of the avotin and imahot in, in Hebron and in, in the earth wake up and stand up with me. And when I say the words, Eloi Avraham, Avraham Avinu comes and stands next to me. And when I say, Eloi Yitzchak, Yitzchak Avinu is standing next to me, and Eloi Yaakov is standing with me. That we are, I mean, I just, I just love how, you know, the, the, it sounds like some kind of like mythic, spiritual, um, you know, soul level of life, and, and perhaps it is. And at the very same time, it's like, these are... My, my, the, the cells of my body are, this, are the cells from, from all the people who came with the hope their cells are in my cells and, and we, we do this. These, this what this is focusing on is, is your body you're standing with your spine you're bending your back and you're standing up again with your spine this body is a product of this, this spiritual lineage so this is, this is Avot this is Avot is returning to my source Biologically and spiritually, and and cos- cosmic source, yeah. So that's why I'm I'm bowing because I I experience that closeness in a, in a, in an acute way. So so the Maharal kind of kind of repeats that this idea here. Then he goes on to Modim, Modim, and so too we bow at Modim, at the prayer of um, thanks. What does the word Modim mean? Let's start there. 
Modim, we, we generally say it means thanks. thanks right? But the 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 um, root definition of lehodot is admission, to admit, to acknowledge and admit a truth or what is, right? For example, we call confession vidui. Vidui, admittance, is the, comes from the same word. The, way, the reason that thanks, gratitude, has to do with admission is because when I'm expressing gratitude, I am acknowledging that, I am, that what I have is from, from you. It's another form of acknowledgement. There's acknowledgement of gratitude. There's acknowledgement of, of mistake. There's admission of... Both of them are an admission of truth. The hodot means to admit something. So look at what the Maharal says. Ken b'modim. So too we bow at modim. V'zeki kashem shebrach harishona shehi avot hu yishtashaluta mitziut min Hashem yibarach. Just as the, the first bracha of avot is the unfolding of of the creation of the world from its source, from God. Ken birkat modim hoda'a al shekola mitziutu elav. The bracha of modim is an admission, an acknowledgement that all that is comes from God and belongs to God. Avot is recognizing source. Modim is, this is all yours. It's, in a sense, the reflection of that very same um, point that Avot is making. But Avot is starting from the beginning point, and Modim is from the point, the vantage point of here we are in this creative world, and it is all yours. Modim anach nulach. We admit ourselves, lach, to you. It's yours. We're yours. Look what he look what he says. Shnei advarim hem ki ha'avu si balaven u'mishal shel haben mi'ito tov. He goes on and he he kind of speaks about the difference between like a a a parent and a child and then like a servant and its master. And there's both of these relationships in avot. We are the parent who the the child who relates to the parent, and in modim it is it is like the the world is the the servant of the master. That here we are, after having been created, here we are living our lives, and we still recognize that all that we have and all that we are and all that we are, are desiring, and it's all yours. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Look at, I'm here on this, this sentence, V'alzehu, V'alzehu kol birkat modi. And this is the entire bracha of Modi. If you look at the words, if you look at the content of this bracha, Sha'anu notnim sha'anu What this, the content of this of this blessing is that we are giving gratitude and thanks and, rec- and acknowledgement to God that we are gods. shum davar. There is nothing we have that is from ourselves that belongs to us. It is all gods. Look what we say. We give you gratitude and, and acknowledgement. Our very lives that are placed in your hands. Our souls that are that are yours. The entirety of this bracha is filled with this recognition that it all belongs to you. you just, there's something so beautiful when you just follow the trajectory of, of the tefillah. That we start with avot with origin. We get into the bakashot where it's all these particular ways in which we both say, "Okay, God, you are responsible for healing, for parnasa, for justice, for redemption, for ingathering, for return, for all what have you, for rain." And in all, the, it's all these particular ways in which we're asking to be supported and sustained, you know, so to speak, all particular vertebrae of the spine that we're asking for support. And then we get to modim, and it's like. Okay, I just asked for all these particular things, but but here I'm just saying, my life is yours. Thank you for this life. It's, there's miracles and wonders in every single passing moment. Evening, morning, and afternoon. It's like all of a sudden I take this perspective that I just spent all my energy thinking about all the things I, I don't have and need and want and where it comes from. And, and, and there's something that's, that's, that's sincere, that's real. And then after that, we come to the perspective where existence itself is a simple miracle. Every breath is, is a miracle from you. Our very lives, you're, you're the ground of our existence. You are the rock of our, of our being here. 
it comes back to that all-encompassing perspective of that includes all the particulars, but it's not hung up on the particulars anymore. It's just the, the miraculous being of of existence. So therefore, just like we are, we bring ourselves close to how we experience an intimacy with our Creator when we talk about our where we come from in the first brachah. So to hear at Modim, we experience our closeness to God by recognizing that we belong to God. There's where do I come from, and there's a, and I here I am and I belong to you and so and everything in my world belongs to you. And therefore, in this bracha too, like in the first one, as we draw close, we bow ourselves in that same way of nefesh, of surrender of our of our independent being. We stand up in the recognition that God is the one who gives us standing here and is keeping us here and sustaining us, granting us life in this moment. And he says, therefore, these two brachot of Avot and Hoda'ah are the places where we experience the, the greatest degrees of closeness to God. And that's why we're bowing and standing here. First of all, just thank you, Maharal, for explaining this to us. Thank you for somebody telling me why I'm moving my body in these times. That already gives me a kind of deeply felt kavana to be able to to embody. When I I do this with my body, I'm not just going through the motions. The, The movement itself has to do with that kind of experience of closeness. Here I am belonging to you. Here I am, I come from you. Here I am, you stand me up. You pick me up. So, just to notice about, about these explanations that Maral is saying, what allows me to stand up in God's presence? What allows me to stand is that I fall first. Is that I'm Korea. Because you could say, what do you mean? Hashem is Mikayem Kolav Nivraim. Hashem gives life to all that is. That's why you get to stand. So I should just stand the whole time. Why bow? If that's, I can only experience myself standing, Zokev B'Shem, that I stand in a divine reality when I first bow myself with the recognition that I don't stand on my own, that I have no standing. And that giving up of self, that surrender of having no saying, that deep admission that I don't exist here by my own strength and power is itself the basis for my ability to stand. You hear that? Because then my standing is from God. Tough. I, we have only a few minutes so left. When we, so, yeah. when we get out of it, do we bow again? And there's three bows. And when, when we take this, the the three steps back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you remember, we saw in the Rambam. The Rambam says at the end, you take the, the you take the three steps back, you bow, and then at the after that, you're, you're we do nefilat apayim. We actually do full prostration. Mm-hmm. Nefilat apayim means the face falling to the earth. That's what the Rambam said. But, but that's what we do. We just do a a abridged version. But the act. The kind of movement is the steps back, another bowing, kneeling, quote unquote, and then face face down on the floor. So we actually we actually go one step deeper at the end. The nefila time is the apex of this whole process. There's one on this side and one on that side. Yeah. So that's that's leave taking. That's saying goodbye. Yeah. It's also very soft. What the Maharal is describing here and really what, what Chazal is speaking about is a way in which we bow and bend and bring ourselves, we lower ourselves in a way that then God lifts us up. And you remember we talked about Baruch and Berech as in a sense the Bracha, Bracha is, and Bracha in the way, in the way of kneeling is, some, is something divine coming earthward. Right, that's what bracha is. God give to the world. God unfold yourself into this reality. God be mashpia to us. 
there's there's it's it's God coming earthward. That's where we that's where where Baruch and Berech and, and, and bowing at Bracha all come together. I wanna share here a czar with you, which is just one of the most heartbreaking a Zohar with you, which is one of the most heartbreaking, beautiful pieces of Torah I've ever seen, and, and every time I learn it it's just as heartbreaking as before. Um, and it's speaking about about exile, but it also in my mind is is touching on a similar kind of process that we're we're exploring here. I'll try to do the abridged version. This is from the Zohar, Parshat Vayikra, Davav Amud Aleph, 6a, and into the next page, B. And it's talking about Rav Acha, who is walking on the way, and Rav Yehuda, who is with him. And Rav Yehuda turns to Rav Acha, and he says, he says, whenever the, the, the Pesukim are speaking about Bitulat Yisrael, the maiden of Israel, it's talking about us, it's talking about about the the collective, about the nation. And here in the prophet Amos, there's a pasuk which he says is just the most difficult pasuk of all. You see this, by the way, in the Gemara. There's the the, the Amorim and the Tanaim. There's times when they say, when we got to this bracha, we would just cry and we couldn't go on any further. So Rabbi Yehuda is saying, this is the pasuk that is just the most difficult thing for me. He says, it says in, in, in Amos Perikei, the maiden of Israel will fall and she will not get up again. He says, this is the most difficult pasuk for me. He says, the things that the chavrai, that our friends taught about this pasuk, it's very nice. I know what they said. What he's referring to here is the Gemara Brachos talks about why David Amalekh in the Ashrei prayer says all of the letters of the alphabet except for Nun. And they say he doesn't say nun because he didn't want to say this pasuk. Nun is no fails. Nafla lotusif kum Israel. She's going to fall and never get up again. So David skipped the nun. But the Chazal there in, in Gemara Brachot say, no, 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 no. In Eretz Israel, the rabbis read it differently. Nafla velotosif linpol od kum Israel. The rabbis in Israel, they said, no, no, this pasuk doesn't mean she's never going to get up again. It means she fell. She's not going to fall anymore. Time to get up. Mm-hmm. And so David Melech too, he was so mech Hashem l'cholanoflim in the Nes Pasuk, he says, no, God will lift up everybody. But Rabbi Yehuda is saying, I know all those, I know all those excuses. I know all the nice ways that people want to read this Pasuk. But if this Part of this nevuah from Amos was a nechama, it would have said so. But Amos says, says, Ata ben Adam sakina Israel. It's introduced as a kina, as a lament, as a wailing. He's not offering words of Nechama here. And Rabbi Yudha says, and I will refuse to be comforted by these other explanations. So Rabbi Yacha says, yep, what you're saying is true. This is the most difficult thing to contemplate. This is the most difficult passage to hear that we're going to be sent into exile and we'll never get up again. Let's go to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and see what he says. They come before Rabbi Shimon and their faces are darkened. From, the, from what I see on your face, from the look of your face, I know what's in your heart. It's true. My face and my heart, they're, they're on the same, same frequency. So tell me what's going on, Rabbi Shimon says. He quotes the Pasuk. He says, the Pasuk says, the maiden of Israel, the Jewish people, we're going to fall, we're never going to get up again. Somebody who, who gets angry at their spouse and they send, they send the spouse away, never bring, they'll never come back again. If this is the case, so, oi to the children who were sent away with the maiden. Here, Kabbalistically, speaking about the Shekhinah being exiled from Kutshabrichu. And the children of the Shekhinah being us. Here we are, we know we're God's children, but we're not with, with God. We're, we're Ichves, we're, we're wherever we are, we're in the no, in the, the no land. Rabbi Shimon says, oh, but you know what, what, what our friends, what the Chaverim said about this Pasuk, right? 
Yeah, I heard what they said, that it's really a, a niveau of compassion, but it doesn't sit well in my heart. Everything they said, it's nice, it's true. But oy to the generation who don't have shepherds. And it might be true that there is a promise of, of uh, redemption here, but, but our experience is that we're sheep kind of lost to graze. We don't know where to turn, not right, not left. We experience ourselves as being totally lost and disconnected. But those who see the the inner truth of the Torah can understand what this pasuk means. Here says Rabbi Shemotachaze, come and see. Each exile, each time we were exiled, each exile had a set time that it would end. Where we're coming on Purim, all backstory Chazal says of Purim is the end of the 70 years of, of Galut Bavel. Every one of the exiles I had a set and a kate. And Bnei Israel would come back in Shuva, would return to God. And the maiden of Israel, the Shechina, the people would come back at the, at the appointed time and return to the palace, so to speak. But here in this final stage of exile, this final epoch of history, it's not the case. She's not going to come back like she did before. She's not going to do the tshuva like she did before. And this pasuk is proving the point. Rabbi Shimon says, you're right, that's what the pasuk means. She's going to fall and not going to get up again. Nafla... What it does not say, Rabbi Shimon says, it does not say she's going to fall and I will not pick her up again. It says she's going to fall and she won't be able to get up anymore. And here already, this is where I see us beginning to get into the realms that we've been discussing here about Hashem Zokif Kfufi, about us bowing ourselves in recognition that we have nothing here to stand on and being lifted up Look what It's a, a parable, analogy to a king who gets angry at the queen. He sends the queen away for an appointed amount of time. When the time ends, the, the queen immediately comes back to the palace. It happens once, it happens twice, it happens three times. The final time, she's, she's cast away from the palace. And the king sends her away for a very long time. The king says, this time, it's not going to be like the other times where she's going to come back to me at a certain moment. Which the mashal here is God recognizing that you know we're so used to we're so used to thinking about Jewish exile as being our fault, but I think that it, on a deeper level the the, the Zohar is, is saying yes okay there's reasons for for the for the wrath the anger the narrow little discord between us and God but but the Zohar is also saying that they're not going to know how to come back this time. I didn't give them a pathway back. So what, what can be done? I myself have to come with all of my b'nei all of the ones in my chamber, in my palace. We have to go and we have we have to go demand, we have to go request, we have to go seek her out and ask her to come back. When he arrives to her, to have a shchiva la'afra. He sees that she's lying in the earth. She's lying on the ground. <clears throat> Who could behold 
the beauty, the preciousness of the queen in that moment. Uva'utin demalka le kavla, and the begging of the king before her. Ad da'achila malka biyadoi va'okima, till the king could fi- finally took her by the hand and, and picked her up. Who could behold the beauty of the queen when she's lying on the ground? Completely vulnerable, with nothing to stand on. And the king comes down to the earth and begs her, take my hand and let me pick you up. There's a, the Zohar saying, there's a beauty in this moment, a preciousness here that doesn't exist when the queen is like, go, don't, don't see my face for two more months. Don't, don't come back here. But when, when, when the king says, I don't want to ever see you again, and, and sees the utter helplessness of our situation and feels, but there's, there's a deeper love and attachment and bond here that I cannot be without you. I'm going to come down to where you are lying on the ground and pick you up. Can you please let me take your hand? There's a, a the, the true beauty of the relationship and preciousness of that queen lying in the ground is seen in that moment. When do we see our true preciousness and beauty? Is when God come, when we bow ourselves in God and say we have absolutely nothing. And God says, but I'm going to pick you up. I want you here. Yes, you have no standing of your own. But do you realize that I want you here and I'm going to pick you up? Hashem zokef kufim. Dafka from the recognition of any klum, I have nothing left. I have nothing to stand on. And here God's saying, I'm going to come down to your place. I'm going to meet you where you are lying in the ground, where you have no knowledge of how can I possibly stand here. And I'm going to give you standing because that's what I desire. He brings her back to the palace. He says, he says, let's not do this again. Let's not separate again. And I'm not going to send you away. I don't want you to be distant anymore. This is what Rabbi Shimon is saying. This is what, the, what, what redemption from this final stage of exile looks like. Is being met in our lowest point and being lifted up from that place and saying, I want you here. I want you with me. I don't want you far from me. And all of our generations of exile at the time when it, the appointed time, the decree was over, we would come back. It's not the case in our, in our time. That's not how it works. We don't know the way back to God. It's God who comes to take our hand and pick us up. And asks for forgiveness, appeases. The king appeases her. God will appease us. We, we're in a place where what we need is not so much if you only figure out how to do things right, things will be as, as they should be. The, the necessary step for us to be redeemed is, is to have that experience where God is asking, is, is appeasing us, is offering us comfort, is meeting us in our low place and saying, I'm so sorry you have to be here. I'm so sorry I sent you here. Can we be together? And Rabbi Shimon says, come see how this is expressed in our Pasuk. It says she's going to fall and not get up again. A little later in Amos, he says, I will pick up the fallen tent, the fallen sukkah of David. He, she will not get up again like she did in those previous times. But I'm going to take it on me. I'm going to pick her up. It's up to me to pick her up. On that day, I'll pick up David's fallen sukkah. The fallen one, that's the same maiden who has fallen there. The same one who was found there, God promises later in that, from that same Sefer Nevoah, I'm going to be the one to pick her up from her fall. 
This is the beauty and preciousness and praise of the maiden of Israel. This is what we learn in this moment. So obviously here the Zohar is speaking about something much larger than moments of prayer. But... But to me, it speaks a little bit to the core of what we are tapping into when we do. Because here we are in this experience where we don't know our way to God. We don't know where God is, where we are, what needs to happen, what ground can we stand on, what is the pathway to you. And when we bow, we're in a sense just bowing to that very source of your real God and your realness, in a sense, means that I am not real. If you're here, so I got nothing. And let's be honest, even without a sense of an acute awareness of God, our kind of default position is we've got nothing. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? There's nothing to stand on. And when we bend ourselves and, and really bow into that experience, we let ourselves be picked up. Afterwards. We let ourselves be picked up with the recognition of, despite all of that, here I am. And if I am here, then you are holding me up. And Hashem Zogif Fufi. I bow myself, and in doing so, I allow myself to be lifted up by, by none other than, than my Creator. If I am here, it must mean because you're holding me. Because when I just look at my situation, I know that I've got nothing to stand on of my own. Rabbi Shimon says, this is how we, how we contact our true beauty and preciousness. Dafka through going through that corridor of there's no ground here, and then discovering the ground that we can stand on, which is the ground that we're given. Our spine being lifted up and stretched out again. The vertebrae being first bent, protruding, each one sticking out, our head bowed. The Gemara is specific, let your head hang low. Let your whole body just fall into it. And then from that, let yourself be lifted up. Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.